All right, I want you to turn in your Bibles, even though we're talking about the Ten Commandments, I'm just going to give you one passage to turn to Luke chapter 7. And we're in a series on relationship through God's top ten. So we're talking about that God gave us the Ten Commandments, but I believe there's a principle behind every commandment, and it's a principle of relationship. And so this week, I want to talk to you about the principle of love. And we are now on the sixth commandment. And the sixth commandment in Exodus chapter 20, verse 13, you shall not murder. I want to explain something about this, by the way, that this is different from you shall not kill. The Bible doesn't say thou shalt not kill. The old King James translated it that way, but there's a difference between murder and killing. And murder means that you take a life when you don't have the authority to take that life. But there are times when law enforcement military, engaged in a war, uh, the judicial system uh, takes a life. And that is different than murder. Uh, Even the Bible implemented capital punishment. So please understand that we are free today in America because men and women fought for our freedom. And they were not violating the sixth commandment when they were fighting for our freedom because they weren't murdering, okay? So I'm calling this the principle of love, I, and the reason I'm calling it uh, the principle of love is because love is the opposite of murder, because the Bible links murder to hate, and I'm going to show you that, all right? So I'll get to Luke 7 in a moment, show you a couple of scriptures. 1 John 3:15. whoever hates his brother is a murderer, and then to show you how it links the opposite of these these principles here of, of murder, the opposite to love, it lists the last five commandments, which we're on we're now, starting the 6th through the 10th in Romans 13, verse 9. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not covet. Those are 6 through 10 there. And if there's any other commandment, they're all summed up in this saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now, uh, I normally have three points. I have a, a rhythm kind of that I go through, but I have five points today. So just, I'm just letting you know, so, but it's the same time limit. Don't, don't get worried. <laughs> if you have a roast in the oven, it's the same time limit, okay? But I'm going to have to move kind of quickly to, for, through the first three to set up a foundation for the last two, all right? So, um, you shall not murder. I'm really not worried about someone in our congregation murdering someone. Um, I, I know I heard this one lady, she said they, she'd been married for 60 years, her husband passed away, and someone asked her, did you ever think about divorce? She said, no, didn't ever thought about divorce. Murder, yes, but not divorce. <laughs> but she was just joking. So, so I'm, not, I'm not worried about you committing murder. I'm worried, though, and concerned about the things that lead to murder such as hate and unforgiveness and some things like that. That's what Satan's trying to do. There's a path. So I'm going to show you the path, all right? So here's point number one. Hate precedes murder. Hate precedes, goes before murder. Uh, This is a story of Joseph Genesis 37, verses 4 and 5, but when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him. So the brothers of Joseph 
hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. Now Joseph had a dream and he told it to his brothers and they hated him even more. So they hated him. Then you look down at verse 18. Now when they saw him afar off, even before he came near them, they conspired against him to kill him. Okay, so why did they conspire to murder him? Because they hated him. Let me show it to you in the law. Deuteronomy 19, verses 11 and 12. But if anyone hates his neighbor, lies in wait for him, rises against him and strikes him mortally so that he dies, and then he flees to one of these cities, then the elders of his city shall send and bring him from there and deliver him over to the hand of the avenger of blood that he may die, capital punishment for murder. That is a person, so it shows he hated him and we murdered. And here's what it's saying. We know he murdered him because he hated him. Watch how it shows, again, hate and murder. Joshua 20, verse five, then if the avenger of blood pursues him, they shall not deliver the slayer into his hand because he struck his neighbor unintentionally but did not hate him beforehand. See, the way they knew if you murdered someone was if you hated him or if it was an accident and you struck him and he died unintentionally. So hate precedes murder. So what precedes hate? Number two, anger precedes hate. Before you hate someone, you get angry at them. The first murder in the Bible was because of anger. Cain and Abel. Genesis chapter four, verse three. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Notice, by the way, it was not a first fruit offering. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat, and the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering, and Cain was very angry, angry, and his countenance fell. And then in verse eight, Cain talked with Abel, his brother. It came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. He was angry, so he killed him, see? Um, now, let me explain something to you. Anger is an emotion. And you can actually be angry and not sin. As a matter of fact, there's a verse that says, be angry and do not sin. So it's not that anger is a sin, it's what you do with the anger. Um, have you ever um, known someone that has a tendency to just kind of blow up at people? Don't punch anyone in the ribs right now. Um, or, oh, well, let's just do it this way. Or have you ever blown up? <laughs> Hello? <laughs> you don't want to say amen right now, do you? But, uh, which is, remember, this is true. All right, so we've all blown up. Uh, let me tell you why you blow up or why a person has a tendency to blow up a lot. Because the person has anger that's unresolved. It's unresolved anger that's just sitting in you that causes you to explode. Think about it this way. Think about water in a pot, and if you turn the fire up, the water's going to boil and going to boil over. But if there's not any water in the pot, you can turn the fire up as high as you want. High as you want. It's not going to boil because there's no water there. And I've shared with people, the reason you're blowing up is because you have unresolved anger. If we can get that anger out, then even when you go through a tough time, you won't blow up because there's not any anger in there for you to blow up. So we have to resolve it. So hate precedes murder. What precedes hate? Anger. 
Anger precedes hate. Here's number three. What precedes anger? An offense precedes anger. An offense precedes anger. Cain was offended at God and at Abel. That's why he got angry. It offended him that God accepted Abel's offering, not Cain's. Okay, let me show you a couple of scriptures. Matthew 24, 10. And then many will be offended and betray one another and will hate one another. They're offended, so now they hate people. Uh, we read last week where Jesus talked about a prophet is not without honor, except in his own family, his own country, okay? And they were offended. Let me read a little bit of that again and, and pick up on one of the words that we need to talk about. Mark chapter six, verses two and three. And when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue and many hearing him were astonished. I actually said last weekend, now that's not a good word, astonished. That's not what you think as amazed. It's not amazed, it's a bad word actually. And I had no clue I was gonna use it this week, but I'm gonna explain to you what astonished means. Many were astonished saying, where did this man get these things? And what wisdom is this which is given to him that such mighty works are performed by his hands? Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon, are not his sisters here with us? So they were offended at him. They were offended. Okay, this word astonished, I'm gonna give you the actual definition from the Strong's Concordance. Here's what it means. It means to strike, in other words, to hit someone, to strike someone, to expel by a blow, to drive out or away. As he began to teach and had wisdom, they got angry. You wanna know why? Because he was just a carpenter that grew up in their town. And it offended them that this guy had so many popular, so, much, so many people following him and that he had such wisdom and he's just a carpenter. And they got offended so much so, listen to this, that they were, it says they were astonished and this is what it means, <laughs> that they wanted to hit him. They wanted to strike him. They wanted to drive him out with blows. This happened another time, same word astonished. I don't have time to read the whole chapter, you can read it. But in Luke chapter four, if you remember, he goes to his main, his hometown, hometown, and he goes in the synagogue, and he takes the, the scriptures, and he reads from Isaiah. And this is what he reads. He reads a passage about the Messiah. And he reads, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor to open the blind eyes, to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Everyone knew that was about the Messiah. Here was the problem. It says that he closed the book and he sat down and he said, and then he, he closed the book and he said, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So here's what he was saying. I'm him. I'm the Messiah. And you know what they said? The exact same thing. They were astonished and they said, isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this the guy that, that uh, built a patio for me? <laughs> Who does he think? He thinks he's the Messiah and he wears a tool belt. And, and now watch, and here's this strike or expel with the blow. Listen to what it says. Luke chapter four, verses 28, 29. So all those in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath, remember, anger, and they rose up and thrust him out of the city, and they led him to the brow of the hill on which their city was built, that they might throw him down over 
the cliff. Anger. Why? They were offended. Why were they offended? Because he didn't meet their expectations. He was saying something that they didn't understand. And that brings me to the fourth point. This is one we're going to really kind of drill down on. So we've got hate precedes murder. So hopefully no one's ever going to get to the point of murder, but you might hate someone. But what causes hate, anger does. You get angry at someone and you don't resolve it correctly. So now you hate them. But what causes hate? An offense. But what causes an offense? So number four, unfulfilled expectations precede offenses. Unfulfilled expectations precede offenses. Um, now, here's, now this is why I asked you to turn to Luke 7, because uh, this to me is one of the strangest passages in the Bible and one of the most enlightening. Luke 7, verse 18. Then the disciples of John reported to him, that's John the Baptist, reported to him concerning all these things. And John, calling two of his disciples to him, sent them to Jesus, saying, Are you the coming one, or do we look for another? Now, I want you to think about this really well for just a moment. <laughs> John the Baptist, who's Jesus' cousin, John the Baptist was filled with the Spirit in his mother's womb, Elizabeth's womb, when Mary, Jesus' mother, walked in the room when Jesus was in the womb. John the Baptist is the one that when Jesus decided to start, decided to start his ministry, he's walking, and John the Baptist points at Jesus and says, Behold the Lamb of God which takes away the sins of the world. John the Baptist. John the Baptist is the one that when Jesus came to be baptized by him, said, no, I shouldn't baptize you. You should baptize me, right? Why, 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 what was he saying? You're the one. You're the one. There's the one. The Lamb of God, there's the one. Jesus said, baptize me. No, you're the one. They came to John later, after Jesus began his ministry, and they said, you remember that guy you baptized? Uh, he started a church down the road, and he's baptizing more people than you are. Do you remember what John's answer was? I told you I'm not the one. That's what he said. I told you I'm not the one. I told you he's the one. And then he does this famous verse, John 3.30, he must increase but I must decrease. Why? Because he's the one. And then he sends two of his disciples and said to Jesus, are you the one? What's happened? Well, John was in prison and Jesus was in the same city where John was in prison. So they ask him, are you the one? And Jesus doesn't even answer him at first. It says he just starts healing people. He just heals a whole bunch of people. And then, this is what he says, verse 22, and then Jesus answered them, and he said to them, go and tell John the things you have seen and heard, that the blind see, the lame walk, 
the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have the gospel preached to them. Now watch this. And blessed is he who is not offended because of me. <laughs> you see you see it? Let me put it another way. John's in prison for saying he's the one. And then he comes to his city to have a revival, and he doesn't even have time to visit his cousin in jail. And John said, and he could have got him out. He's the Messiah. He's the one. Everybody knows he's the one. And John's sitting there, and he's saying, now, how long has Jesus been here? Seven days now. Seven days. Did y'all mention to him I was in jail? Yeah, we told him. Uh, you go ask Jesus that John, cousin John, wants to know if he's the one. Jesus said, you go tell cousin John that the blind see, the lame walk, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have the gospel preached to them, and blessed is he who doesn't get his feelings hurt, who doesn't get offended because of me. Pretty strong, isn't it? It's kind of a cool passage, isn't it? I'm sure one day I get to heaven, John the Baptist will say, why would you tell everybody that that's what I was upset about? <laughs> Unfulfilled expectations cause offenses. He had an expectation that Jesus would come get him out of jail or come at least see him. So when that expectation wasn't fulfilled, this what, listen, listen, I'm, I'm going to help you. We have an expectation that our friend's going to do something. He doesn't do it. We're offended. We have an expectation that our employer's going to do something. He doesn't do it. Now we're offended. We have an expectation that but, you know, some spiritual leader's going to do something. He doesn't do it. Now we're offended. And we can get offended sometimes over silly things, you know? I mean, you know, like, I mean, you know, all of a sudden your wife's upset and you say, what's wrong? Well, what's wrong? Uh, Jenny did not say one thing about the cake that I took to the party. Well, maybe she just had her hands full and she just forgot. She knows better. She knows better. All of a sudden, we're offended. Are, are y'all following me? It's amazing what gets us offended. By the way, um, you know what the word offense means. You know the definition of the word offense. For the biblical definition of the Greek word for offense. You ready for it? Stumbling stone. That's, that's what the word actually means. An offense is a stumbling stone. The, the Greek word is scandalon. Scandalon, O-N. Okay, listen to me. Let me say it a little slower and just give you the first part. Scandal. It's where we get our English word scandal. Someone does something that is scandalous, in our eyes, and maybe even scandalous, but someone does something that is scandalous to us, and it becomes a stumbling stone for us. Uh, 
Scandalon is also a word that they chose to, to represent something. Have you ever seen uh, uh, like a little animal trap that they used to make years ago and they would put a little stick at the edge of the trap so and the animal would go in to get some food or something and bump the stick and the trap falls? You got it? Okay, that stick is called a scandalon. Listen to me. <laughs> Satan sets a trap for you. He sets a little scandal on, a little offense there. So you go in and you get trapped. You get snared. Psalm 91 says he'll deliver you out of the snare of the fowler. So it seems a little true. And you know what? Here's, here's the amazing thing. We actually give Satan <clears throat> the scandal on because we say things like this. If he ever did that, I'd never forgive him. Are y'all listening? <laughs> if she ever did that, I wouldn't be able to get over that. Satan says, thank you. Thank you. You just gave me the one thing I needed to end your marriage. Because you told me my husband never does that. It's over. And Satan says, thanks. You gave me the stick to set a trap for your husband. And I'll quit working on all the other areas where I was working on him. I'm going to work on this one area now. And we'll set a trap for him. Um, did you know that someone in the Bible is actually called, a person is actually called a stumbling stone and a rock of offense. Anyone know who it is? Jesus. Uh, Romans 9.33, as, as it is written, Behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone and a rock of offense. And, and the word and is a conjunction in the Greek, could be translated but, but whoever believes in him in the stumbling stone or the rock of offense will not be put to shame. Let me put it another way. Jesus is either going to be in your life a stone you stumble over or a rock you build your house on. That's tweetable. <laughs> Jesus, and I don't care if you tweet or not, I just tell you, I just like to say, that's a good statement. And I get excited because you think he's bragging on himself. No, I was studying, and the Lord gave me that statement, and I, I think, Lord, that's good, and I'm, that's going to make me look smart. All right, so <laughs> Jesus, Jesus will either be for you a stumbling stone or a rock that you build your house on. He's one or the other. People either stumble over him or they build on him. But think about this. You're, you're in a relationship with someone, and they they offend you. Okay, here's what they actually did. They left a rock of offense, left a rock in your path. And so you come along and you see that rock. You have a choice. Here, you, you have your choice. You can stumble over it or step over it. You can stumble over it or you can step over it. Here's another thing you do. You can pick it up and carry it with you. And you can show it to everybody else. You can tell them all about, you see what Bill did to me? See, look, look what Bill did to me. Left this right in my path. 
How long ago did he do it? 25 years ago, that's how long. You've been carrying that rock around 25 years? This is good preaching. This is just good. Are y'all following? Okay, all right, so. So we got murder. He says, don't murder. But in the New Testament, Jesus even says this. Listen to what Jesus says. He says, you've heard it said, you will not murder. But I say, don't be angry. Because if you get angry, you could hate someone. If you hate him, you could murder. Okay, so hate precedes murder. Anger precedes hate. An offense precedes anger. You get offended. An unfulfilled expectation is what causes you to be offended. Okay, but we got to get to love now. So what precedes love? Here's number five. Forgiveness precedes love. Forgiveness precedes love. Matthew 5, 43 through 44, Jesus said, you've heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. So how in the world can you love someone that hates you or that is your enemy? Simple, forgiveness. You have to forgive them. I'll tell you what the Greek word for forgive means in a moment. But let me show you how hate leads to murder and how forgiveness leads to love. Everyone follow that? I'm about to wrap up the whole message with one story from the Bible. How hate leads to murder, but forgiveness leads to love. Jacob and Esau. Jacob steals the birthright and the blessing. Genesis 27, 41. So Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing with which his father blessed him. And Esau said in his heart, the days of mourning for my father are at hand. Then, in other words, when they're over, I will kill my brother Jacob. He hated him, so he was gonna kill him. Hate leads to murder, okay? Watch how forgiveness leads to love. Years later, as a matter of fact, it's 20 years later. 20 years go by, 20 years. Genesis 33, verse one, Now, Jacob lifted his eyes. He's going back to the land where his father was. And there Esau was coming, and with him were 400 men. And when I say he's going back to the land where his father was, his father had already passed away. Okay, all right. Esau was coming, and with him were 400 men. Now, what would you think if the guy that hated you was coming to greet you with 400 men? but watch what happens. Verse four, but Esau ran to meet him and embraced him and fell on his neck and kissed him and they wept. How does Esau go from hating him and wanting to murder him to loving him, embracing him and kissing him? Because he'd forgiven him. That's the only way. And I almost did a point six, but I've just never done a message with six points in my life. But so let me just, <laughs> I have, but um, so, so what precedes forgiveness? <laughs> and that's grace. So if you just want to make a note, how, in other words, how do you forgive? Well, forgiveness is giving grace. So how do you give grace? You have to receive grace. You can't give it if you haven't received it. If you have a problem giving forgiveness, you have a problem receiving forgiveness. Let me say that again. 
If you have a problem giving forgiveness, you have a problem receiving forgiveness. Here's Matthew 10, 8. Freely you have received, freely give. If you don't receive freely, then you don't give freely. In other words, if you feel like you have to earn forgiveness from God, you will make other people earn forgiveness from you. But once you catch grace and you understand, I'm forgiven freely and I did not deserve to be forgiven, then you'll forgive others who don't deserve to be forgiven. Okay, what's the word forgive mean in the Greek? One word. It means release. That's what it means. When God forgave you, he released you from the punishment of the sin. He released you. He released you from judgment. He released you. So when you truly forgive someone, it means you release them. You have to release them. And can I say something, by the way? You don't have to tell a person you forgive them if you really forgive them. Now, it's okay if you've had this and you need to, and, and he knows you're upset and you know, she knows you're upset or whatever, and you get together and you say, I'm so sorry, will you forgive me? Yes, and will you forgive me? Yes, that's fine. But when the person doesn't even know that you're offended, let me give you an example. I have had many people over the years come to me and say, Pastor, I just want you to know something. I was really mad at you, but I forgive you. <laughs> well, now, don't we both feel better? Yep, I was really mad at you. I mean mad, but I forgive you. Well, thanks for telling me, brother. <clears throat> you can forgive them if you don't have to. If you don't have any relationship there that you need to talk about something, you can go ahead and forgive them. I was upset with someone one time, and I kept replaying it in my mind. Have you ever done that? <laughs> well, I got a lot of... <laughs> And it was about 2 o'clock in the morning. You ever done that? <laughs> about 2 o'clock in the morning, I'm just replaying it over and over in my mind. And all of a sudden, you know in your heart how you hear the Lord, not audibly, but you, I felt like the Lord did that. I felt like the Lord said, forgive him! <laughs> like that. It was, it was almost like, I'm trying to sleep, pal, you know? <laughs> I felt like I was keeping him up, you know? He's just like, he's just, forgive him! It's 2 in the morning, forgive him. Let's get some sleep. And I said to the Lord, but Lord... He was wrong. You know what the Lord said? I'll never forget this. He said, of course he was. You don't forgive people who were right. <laughs> I baked you these cookies. I forgive you. Oh, you don't forgive people who do good things to you. You don't forgive people who are nice to you. You forgive people who are mean and who hurt you and who offends you, you forgive them. You forgive them. I'm really not concerned any of you are going to commit murder. I hope not. I really do. I don't think you are. But I'm concerned you could fall in a trap. You could get caught in a snare. And you could hate people. And you could be angry with them. And you could be offended. And you could not forgive them. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. I want you to just take a moment, ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me through this message? Just take a moment, every campus, just say, Lord, what are you saying to me? If you're watching online, what are you saying to me through this message? Just ask the Lord, Lord, what are you saying to me through this message?
Is there someone that wronged you? I'm not saying the person didn't wrong you. We talked last week about honoring your mother and your father, and you may have had abusive parents. I'm not saying that they were right. I'm saying they're wrong. That's wrong. But have you been carrying that rock around with you for all these years? I'm asking you to lay the rock down today. I'm asking you to forgive. So just let the Lord bring any person or persons to your mind that you need to forgive right now. And just choose by an act of your will in your heart. Say, I choose by an act of my will to forgive, to release. I want to release this person. We want, we want to pray for you. No matter which service you're attending or which campus you're attending or if you're in an overflow room, we're going to have one more worship song. During that time, we're going to have leaders at the front of every campus, every room. If you need prayer for any area of your life, come let us minister to you. Let us, let us pray for you. Maybe it's not even about the message, but I think there could be some people who say, I've tried and tried to forgive. I need someone to agree with me because I don't want to be in bondage anymore. But maybe it's about a job or finances or health or family or children. If you need any prayer for any area of your life, as soon as we stand up in just a moment, I want you just to stand up, step out and come, all right? Holy Spirit, I pray you'll draw every person at every campus who needs prayer in Jesus' name, amen.